You might hire employees who are otherwise fantastic, but they need a little bit more coaching. Welcome to the Global from Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now your host, Michael Michelini. Today's podcast is brought to you by Aurelia Pay. I use them personally for sending money to my Chinese suppliers from Hong Kong. It's a cross-border payment solution between China, Hong Kong, and Southeast Asia. So when I need to make a payment to a Chinese supplier, I just hop online to place the remittance, pay to the Aurelia Pay's Hong Kong-based bank account, and Aurelia Pay will settle RMB within the same business day. So check them out online at www.aureliapay.com, A-U-R-E-L-I-A-P-A-Y.com, or check them out linked in our show notes. Episode 211, Global From Asia podcast audio version. We do have more and more videos. I just had some amazing meetings with some video editors. We're investing heavily in video, but of course, we still got this amazing podcast since 2013 and uh, always going to be creating amazing content for you as always. This one is a recording from a webinar we did with members as we led up to the cross-border summit last year. And I wanted to make an audio version. We have Monica Chow. She's doing amazing things uh, in San Francisco. She's really got amazing cross-culture, cross-border experience in e-commerce and startups and with Taiwan and Shanghai and San Francisco and America. So she gives a wealth of information. This is an unbelievable one. It's a goodie I've been holding close in the lineup for quite some time since we got cross-border summit 2018 coming up so quick and also Chinese new year. We talk about Chinese new year tips. We talk about so much. This is a longer one than normal, but it's extremely valuable. I think this is one that'll be timeless for years and years to come. So I want you to enjoy this. Also, always announcing some things we're working on. We have our China Business Workshop in Florida, in Miami. I will be in America very soon, first time in two and a half years. It's a premium day and a half intensive webinar. You can check that out at chinabusinessworkshop.com slash Florida, February 8th and 9th. And another amazing event is our two-day conference, third annual cross-border summit, crossbordersummit.com slash 2018, April 20th and 21st of this year, 2018. You guys can enjoy both of those. And of course, we have amazing online courses, online things you can get by subscribing to our email list at globalformasia.com slash subscribe. Thanks, everybody, for enjoying this show and listening. This is a goodie. This is a very valuable one. And definitely keep this in your archives. Globalformasia.com slash episode 211. Monica Chow, great, very great uh, businesswoman from Taiwan with Shanghai experience and San Francisco experience in e-commerce and wealth of tech and startups. Thank you, Monica, for sharing. And I also share some of my stories and also some Chinese New Year bonus ideas as that is coming up. All right. Enjoy. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to a managing Chinese staff with uh, Monica Chow. And, and uh, thank you for being here, Monica. Yeah. Thanks for hosting. 
Oh, no problem. It's been cool to get to talk to you over the last few weeks. And uh, I'm excited we went to put this together. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. So let's, uh, let's just dive right in here. Perfect. So, you know, basically this is globalfromasia.com, which is a blog and podcast about doing international business from Asia globally inside. So inside China, which is our focus today, but also, you know, from, from around the world too. So we're also, this is also in getting very close to our annual conference, the Cross-Border Summit. So many of you are coming and I really appreciate that. It's April 21st and 22nd in Shenzhen, China. And we really wanted to have Monica come, but we were talking and she couldn't make it. So we actually decided to have this webinar in place so that you guys can get to know her and get even more value before the conference even starts. So let's jump yeah, right into Monica. I'm super sad that I can't make it, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to do this. Yeah, this is a great way to, to engage with everyone and, and uh, we'll get this to everybody uh, that's coming to the conference. So you are originally from Taiwan. You I am. Most of your time in Shanghai, you went to college in Wuhan, and you we actually connected through the China Accelerator Network. We're both alumni of the program, and now you are dialing in from San Francisco. So uh, there's so much, of course, we could... I'd love to know about your background. If, if you want to add some highlights today. Um, yeah. yeah, definitely. So this is mostly accurate. I was born in Taiwan. I moved to, chi- moved to China very early on, grew up in Shanghai, went to college at Wuhan University, um, worked in management consulting for a bit. And then I started a company called Top Mind, which gamified textbooks for schools in China. Um, we exited, we were acquired by a company called uh, No Red Inc. that's based in San Francisco. Um, so after that acquisition, I moved to San Francisco and, uh, I started, I went to, uh, business school at Stanford. So I got my MBA there. Um, post MBA, I joined, uh, my current company Chegg, where I'm the business operations manager in our e-commerce business. So I manage things like pricing, sourcing, uh, new business initiatives, like uh, geographic expansion, things like that. Very, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, great, great, great experience, and I'm sure we'll we'll get a lot. So I'm sure you have. We can have this a whole show, a whole topic, but China versus the U.S. Uh, you definitely have gotten experience on both sides, which is very valuable. And you know, of course, your current role. You had your MBA, your time in China. Um, I think the basic answer is, is very different, right? Would you say? Oh, or, wow. Like, so entirely different. It's yeah. just, um, yeah. I mean, like the, between my current role and my China experience, it's just right now I'm a manager at a public company in the U S and yeah, I used to be the co-founder of a 12 person startup in Shanghai. So just completely opposite sides of the spectrums in, in all spectrums. And I think one major difference is that at a public company, it's a, you know, it's a little harder to take full initiatives. You, you can't say I'm going to go and do something new and risky because Wall Street is watching. But at a startup, you can be a little bit more passionate about the risks that you want to take. And you're allowed to operate a little faster and uh, more on gut feel than on, you know, extensive approvals and data. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for kind of like the differences of being in the U.S. versus China, I think the rest of the conversation sounds like it's going to be centered around that. So I'll leave that for a little later. Yeah, we have a lot. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, you know, that's why I love, you know, building this community and getting to know people. 
people because you know not, there's more and more of us you know like we're kind of like switched places you're you're from you know over here in taiwan and time in china and now you're on the u.s side i'm american born and raised and now i'm spending time on the china side so it's a uh, it's very, very different, different, uh, you know, it's oh, for sure. just uh, a different world. I really tell people. So, yeah, definitely. So yeah, into our next, our main focus for today is, you know, I think of course to build a business in China, which you've done is about, you know, there's always major parts with a startup or any businesses, you know, of course you need your team, whether it's employees or partners, uh, of course you need customers, and, uh, you know, it's all about people, right? So, of course, to, to be successful in China, you definitely need to be successful in attracting and, uh, and uh, retaining quality Chinese employees, or, or maybe we can even talk about, we'll talk about partners as well. Um, maybe we can kind of talk about what generally Chinese employees are looking for in your experience. I, I know that's a wide-ranging question, um, no, yeah. I mean, I personally think that this is probably the most important thing that I've had to do um, while running a startup in China. Um, and my answer to it is probably going to be, you know, anecdotal. And it has to do a lot with the way that I hired positions I was hiring for, how I presented the opportunities and things like that. So it probably won't cover all bases. But I think that Chinese employees, in my experience, have been more practical, uh, for example, by that, I mean that they're, they tend to be more gratified by cash than by equity. Um, and they were also a little less interested in startup employees that I've seen in the U.S. by things like titles and perks. And I think that it's easy to take the, the equity part in particular as like a personal affront, like, why don't you believe in the company? Why don't you believe in the team? Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, in retrospect, I think it's kind of just part of the culture in, in you know, certain, certain industries or certain, certain uh, roles. And it's, it's perfectly acceptable and the desire for equity will come once, you know, I've proven my worth as a leader and the company's worth as, you know, a societal value add. So I would say kind of in terms of what Chinese staff look for, just like initially be prepared to maybe offer a little bit more cash up front and don't expect the same internal trade-off curve in equity versus cash that you might see in the West. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. I- Oh, has that been your experience as well? Yeah, it's always frustrating. Like a lot of times, you know, especially as startup founders, uh, which we both, you know, have experience in, uh, our goal is to kind of sell the sell the vision, right? Yeah. Like to, to convince people to take the risk with us. Of course, we're not trying to get them to maybe take 100% equity, but I think a lot of times our, our job is to convince them that they're getting in on something big and that they're, you know, there's a big opportunity more than the short term benefit, the cash salary. But I totally agree with you. I think a lot of times they'll, they'll say it's because they have pressure from their family about, you know, or, or, or their, uh, you know, people around them that they, they need the money now instead of waiting for later. Yeah, I think that um, yeah, it's it's really easy to, when you're in the in the founder position to think of it as more of like, you know, you, but, but, but you should want the equity because you're joining a startup. But at the same time, it's kind of just, I think it's, it's 
it's a little, I would say, more effective to kind of think of it from the other side and be like, okay, that's fine. And um, they will change their minds once I've proven that the company is going to be worth something. Yeah. So hopefully there are some, but yeah. advantages of being a, a Western company in China, uh, maybe more specifically is employing, which I, I have some ideas too. So uh, I can also add. Oh, awesome. Points. So um, I'm, I'm really looking yeah, forward to talking about the disadvantages since I have. I think, so I think that the most obvious advantage that, you know, you may or may not deserve as a foreign company is just instant credibility in certain areas. Do you know how a couple of years ago or even even right now in like some more maybe rural areas, you get companies hiring like white people to show that they are credible. They have overseas expertise. Um, for example, in English training centers, you, you maybe get paid more for being white, even if English isn't your first language. So, I mean, it's it's maybe somewhat offensive, but very real. Um, just kind of, yeah. you know, how that's just a reality. And so speaking English, being westernized, whether it's fair or not, it sends a signal to partners, to uh, to customers, to competitors that you may have more information that they have that you may be worth listening to. So, again, I think that this is an advantage that's an early advantage that's useful for getting into doors. But obviously, you have to start backing it up with real expertise or it's going to be a very short lived advantage. Yeah, I I agree. And. What's been your I also, Yeah, of course, I'm a white face. So, uh, uh, yeah, of course, there's some, some of the, some of my, my other, like, white skin friends say they feel like a, a movie star uh, in yeah. China. They yeah, like, for sure. People start pushing their babies yeah. into your arms once you, like, and take pictures. Yeah, you know, like, one guy, you know, uh, obviously, I have to say, of course, it feels pretty, pretty, pretty cool, I guess, you know, but, uh, of course, it's a little bit, yeah, like, it's, it's it makes you, it's just not fair. Like, uh, I, I have a YouTube, you know, I do YouTube, uh, videos and I'll have some of these, you know, there's so many of these, uh, kind of almost sometimes haters sometimes in these comments, you know, and they're like, Oh, it's cause you're white, you know, you get more attention. And, um, maybe initially, uh, I think it's unfair to say that, you know, <laughs> like it's unfair both ways. It's yeah. They're the reality. Yeah. Is, you know, you get to I have, yeah. I mean, it's one thing I always say about, you know, with the kind of mission of global majors, you know, I, or, you know, I think the internet, it makes it more equal grounds. You know, there's less uh, requirements for, you know, your quote-unquote face or your, your physical. It's more about your abilities. But, um, yeah, of course, that is, a, like you said, an early advantage. Um, I think there is a, a second advantage I can dig up. Yeah. Is sometimes I've had staff that like to work, want to work for a Western company, like maybe their experience or their resume or their English practicing um, Sometimes you could try to kind of maybe more for the younger Chinese than the more the different generations, right? Yeah, but, totally. You can offer kind of a different set of of, of perks, right? It, kind of English practicing, like you said, being a pretty big part of what people want to do, especially the younger generation. Yeah. So let's go to our more uh, fun slide. The uh-huh. disadvantages. Yeah. Um, so can can I tell a story here? course stories are are more fun yeah Yeah, so i think just kind of to just summarize up front i think that the lesson for me is that as a foreign company you get more people realizing that maybe you're easier to take advantage of and the reason that i say this is because in the early days of hiring salespeople at top mine i happened upon um this guy let's call him rick 
So Rick was the national sales director of our only direct competitor. Uh, he was managing hundreds of sales reps. He knew all the right people. He told war stories of building the sales force from the ground up. And I thought that I was the luckiest entrepreneur alive when he agreed to join TopMind as our first salesperson. So I had all these wow. dreams of building this like army of the best sales force that the Chinese tech scene had ever seen. Nice. And it sounds good. Yeah, it sounded really good, right? And it started pretty innocently. Like he, you know, one day he forgot his iPad. I gave him a loaner. He forgot it at home again. So I gave him a third one. And he would like oh. log visits into the CRM. And when a client called the office demanding to know why he had not showed up when he said he would, he like, he scrunched up his like very honest looking face and he admitted, oh, maybe like I might've accidentally logged an extra visit. And I started getting more and more suspicious when three months in, I, I'm a total sales newbie at that point. And so I've made five sales in cash and Rick had only made one sale with one client who would only pay after a year of free trial. So I was like, you know, that doesn't feel right. So I gave the HR of our competitor company a call and I was prepared to apologize for poaching their top sales guy, right? And as soon as she heard his name, the the HR lady, as soon as she heard his name, she was, she like just started laughing angrily. And she said, like, he stole our computers. He stole our iPads. He hardly made any sales. And whenever he did, he would pocket the money. And then he took a loan from us of like a couple thousand RMB and then he disappeared. So I was thunderstruck, right? And to add insult to injury, I found out that the one sale that he had made as Hotmind, it was fake. And he had actually had a friend call us and pretend to be a client. Um, and to rub salt on top of all of it, it turned out that he was never the national sales director as we thought he was. He was just like a foot soldier in the lowliest rank of sales reps. Um, which is how he knew all of the all of the stories that made him sound credible. So mm. yeah, it was it was really bad. Like getting rid of him took threatening to call the police, and it actually ended with his mother pulling him in by the ear and making him apologize and promising to pay us back because he had already sold all of the iPads. And as I'm telling you this now, I can't believe it happened. So I think that like for me, the lesson was just like. I mean, it was like a couple, a good couple months of like this gigantic con going on. So I think for me, the lesson is just like, you know, don't, don't be as gullible as we were. Don't be as naive as we were. Like, you know, don't, don't let people take advantage of you. You think it's because you were a Western company that had to do with it or is so, that something? So like actually this guy about? in particular was um, like, unfortunately we, we should have known, but we didn't that he was actually like pretty infamous in a, in the Western um, like uh, I guess like tech entrepreneurship circle where he um, like he would, he, he just did this to like one company after another. I think if we had been a little bit more plugged into the scene, we would have, you know, maybe seen a few more, you know, a few more signs up front. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean, disadvantages, like, uh, you know, like, of course, I, I, you know, I've been here a while, too, so there's so many stories. I'll save mine for the end uh, if we have time. But the idea is, I think, uh, China business is much more, I don't know, I want to use the right word, brutal, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, yeah um, I see what you mean. It's more, yeah, it's, a, it's like, a little less, like, there's you a got, gray area, let's say. There's less black and yeah. about, like, you know, what you can and cannot do. 
the game, you know, I guess business or life is, I always try to like make it think of it as a game uh, a little bit to, to make it more fun. But I sometimes, uh, if, if sometimes maybe more in Chinese culture is if they can get away with something, then it's maybe okay. A different um, set of rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, we'll take, we'll keep it at that. Um, <laughs> So once we have, once we've attracted those staff to work with us, um, you know, especially like your Rick story, <laughs> is is there ways to manage these expectations? Uh, you know, and then especially now you're you're on both sides. I don't know if you want to kind of compare managing between the two sides of them. Yeah, definitely. So um, I think like my my initial reaction to the question this question is that. In a more uh, kind of a Western mindset, you join a startup, you expect to hustle, you expect to find your own way around. You kind of, yeah, you, you, I think like especially in Silicon Valley, at least you kind of grew up with a little bit more exposure to how the startup world differs from the corporate world. But I think in China, the startup culture, um, like the, the the startup tech culture, as like you know Silicon Valley defines it, is just a little newer, right? So. Um, you might hire employees who are otherwise fantastic, but they need a little bit more coaching. Um, and I say this because I hired someone um, who was like, let's call him Jack. He's a young engineering graduate. He was like very bright and hardworking and eager to learn. And he just powered through our sales training. And then we went, you know, we hit the road and we went to cold meet some prospects, sales prospects. But when he came out of his first cold meeting, he was nearly in tears because he just didn't know how to like answer questions, like rude questions that were thrown his way by the front desk or react to people. He didn't know how to react to people that were, you know, ignoring him or yelling at him, which are all like very, very normal things in that line of work. Um, and all the poor guy wanted to do was explain the product like we had practiced, but then the door got slammed in his face. So mm. he's like almost in tears and he's telling me, I think I have to quit because I'm an engineer. I think in logic, I don't know how to deal with people. So I'm like, for a few seconds, I'm just like, that, that, that's not a startup mindset. Maybe he's right. Maybe he's not cut out for this. Um, mm. But I then I made, I think, one of the better decisions of my career so far, which is I, I refused to talk about his re resignation. And instead, we worked together on drawing out a logic map of all the possible scenarios that could come up in sales visits. So together we made this detailed flow chart that showed him the logic of how to react to each scenario. And he would, he memorized it whenever he got, you know, kicked out of a new meeting, he would do a postmortem and add that scenario into the flow chart. And just gradually he just became less stiff and more charismatic. Um, and it's cliche, but he ended up being my best salesperson. So oh. I think like, the lesson for me here is that there initially there might be a little bit more coaching in terms of at a startup, you have to make your own way. You have to hustle. You have to take initiative, be more proactive. We all have to be owners of the company. But once you get over like that initial coaching hump, I think that investment is often worth it. True. True. Yeah. I mean, maybe going a little reflecting on that, I think, uh, you know, the Chinese economy and the societies developed so, so, you know, fast since it kind of like it's reopened, you know, just less than a generation ago. So, you know, I think the credit is, there's been a lot of progress, but especially on more of the personal skills, right. And uh, being open about maybe being open about needing extra help, I think is also something I've noticed. Uh, 
for sure. For kind sure. of got. I yeah, they won't really to do with just. Sorry, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying it's, a, it's also a lot to do with just how the educational system is set up and like the hoops that you have to jump through to be successful up to that point. Right. So I think like, yeah, it's, it's very different from how a successful startup um, people, they like, it's very different from the kinds of people, kinds of skills that you needed a successful startup um, just because like, it's so much less defined, but, but like, I mean, I think, if you have the right people plus the right coaching, you, you can get really good results. True. True. So you're a great coach. It sounds like maybe, uh, maybe a new career in the future. Oh, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so the holidays, I know a lot of Westerners have this frustration over, especially Chinese new year. Um, it's a popular topic on, on the blog here. Um, so you've, you know, especially running a startup where there's no, no real rest. Um, we just went through the Qingming Festival yeah. a couple of days ago. So there was a couple of days off and people had to work on a Saturday to make up for a Monday. <laughs> I forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy, right? So, uh, you know, I, I guess we're, you know, this is... You know, a lot of people don't even know these holidays exist, right? Uh, whether they're, even if they're just buying from a factory here or if they're hiring, maybe they have sometimes some freelancers or, or some remote staff or maybe a couple, one full-time assistant in China, but they're maybe overseas. So any ideas what they can do to, to be more respectful or to deal with these kind of yeah, holidays? Yeah, definitely. I, like, I think this is, honestly, I think this is an easy one. I personally think that the best kind of startup culture is where you know, you work really hard, but you also reward hard work. Um, and I, I personally don't believe in kind of working around the clock. I, I know there's people that do, um, but personally, I would even go as far as to maybe give an extra day off if it's a special holiday, like Chinese New Year or, you know, lunar holiday, like not during crunch time, not if we have, you know, a, you know, a product launch in the next week, but generally speaking, I would say like, just, you know, work, work, work harder, you know, on normal days and, you know, exceed expectations normally. And I would be perfectly fine giving a, you know, a little bit more holiday. True. And then maybe there are, you know, just some, some more technical stuff. Uh, a lot of people probably use Google calendar. Uh, you can just plug in the Chinese calendars. Um, yeah. So if you, you know, can't have an excuse that you didn't know um, there are, there are <laughs> solutions or, Google searches, you know, every year for the calendar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's always a lot of times, you know, foreigners or Westerners complain that they don't know things, but probably just spend a little bit of time studying. was kind of that hard. Yeah. You know, I, I have to say, I've also made that mistake uh, at the beginning where I didn't really do my homework enough mm-hmm. before I started doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you mean. I think people should just, uh, you know, if, you know, like there's always a saying, like if you're doing business in China, you have to, you have to, or anywhere in another culture or, or country, you have to localize at least a little bit, but it, it does lead to the next question, you know, Westernized office, um, should you localize your business operations for Chinese market or, or should you kind of, run it like you would in international markets or in, in your home market, say like San Francisco or, or wherever you are? Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. And I think like, I, 
I really can't pick one or the other. I think you want to be both foreign and local for sure with an emphasis on local. For example, my co-founder, Tim, who is Canadian-American, had this idea one time for this large-scale marketing campaign towards student clubs that would have made total and complete sense in the West. He wanted to use email lists from these uh, it's like student industry clubs to reach students. But you know, guess what? Like the, the industry clubs that he wanted to target didn't actually really exist in most colleges. And also, even if we had been able to find some of these clubs, people don't really use email. It's not really a thing. Like my younger brother who lives in China right now has, to, uh, he, he just started his first non-QQ email account to apply to grad school in the U.S. So I think like having someone local is just like, there's, there's random knowledge that a local is going to take for granted that could save a Western company a lot of time and money. True, true. Um, yeah, especially email. That's a good point. Right? It's very counterintuitive. It's like it doesn't make sense for someone who, you know, you know, doesn't live in China. Yeah, I mean, I remember I used to work, wonder uh, before I moved here, why is all these number emails and like everything is numbers? Yeah. Like it's like the QQ number at like 163 is a popular one. Or yeah. yeah, that was that was I think that was my first one. And then I used Hotmail because yeah. Gmail is blocked. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, uh, especially with the technology, we don't really talk about it too much today, but like you said, Gmail's blocked and Google is basically blocked. So I know lots of companies complain about that because they want, you know, their global team, the whole team to use all their tools. Right. So, um, you just mentioned Hotmail. So I think some tips are maybe if people are willing to switch to Microsoft, <laughs> uh, yeah. Microsoft works mostly in China, as far as I know like all their different products. But um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough to kind of have the whole global team. So I think they do have to localize a little bit for their China team. Oh, for sure. Uh, for sure. Um, and here's another one. The topic it kind of is a little bit into, do you need a Chinese co-founder story? But more uh, granular is, can a foreigner manage Chinese staff? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's also a really good question. You know, I, I have seen successful, um, successful, like, uh, examples of a foreigner managing Chinese staff, but even then it's like, it's with very, very like in-depth knowledge of like, you know, how the psychology works, how the market operates, like, why is your employee mad? Like, you know, are they, are they mad at something you did? Are they just someone who has a very in-depth understanding of China? Like, and generally speaking, I would say it's, it's, it's just so much less risky to have a Chinese co-founder, someone to sanity check things that you want to do. And it goes the other way around too. If you have the kind of business that requires you to communicate with foreigners, you would want someone who understands where they're coming from on a deeper level. So for me, the answer is like, it's, it's a no brainer. You, you need a Chinese co-founder. Yeah, I would have to. I have to agree, even though I resist. Well, maybe I actually don't really have a Chinese co-founder. I guess I have a Chinese wife, which helps sometimes. So, um, you know, I think that especially with dealing with the uh, management issues uh, or you have to have like a really high level, maybe uh, manager that you pay pretty well, but that's also risky because they could, they could leave you or, or other, other things. So um there are ways to be completely foreign in China with like a wholly structure, uh, like a wholly foreign entity. 
but uh, probably a lot of times people should consider doing a yeah you know, like a joint venture with the or you know partnership with the Chinese. Of course, it's hard. That's a whole other topic of how to find the co-founder. You know, I think that's something you can't rush into. Just like uh, you know, you know, so it takes takes time to do that. But but yeah, I think um, maybe the foreigners might be better. Their their advantages in the Chinese companies probably not in the management of the of the operations, right? Because uh, it's very different and complicated. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just there's there's a lot of knowledge based things that you know you don't even know that you don't know. Hmm. Um. You know, back into teams. So I'm not. I mean, it's, it's difficult, I guess. So the idea is, can you have a team that's maybe working on both sides or is it, should you keep them like separate? Uh, as baseball is saying here is cross-culture teams. Um, if you have a team in say San Francisco or somewhere in the U S or outside of China, how easy do you think it would be to work with the yeah. China based? Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually, I don't have, um, personal experience in like in terms of like having a US based team and a China based team. But Tim and I I think made the mistake of trying to build a team with, you know, foreigners and chi- and foreigners and locals. So a team with different cultures, but it wasn't a truly cross cultural team. So for us, we basically had one person, me, trying to bridge the cultural gap with other people kind of sitting back and working within their own cultures. So I like sometimes I will walk across to the other side of the building and see this other team, this other company who was doing, they were doing a phenomenal job of bridging cultures. That CEO was American. The team was half foreign and half local. And they all spoke English as the common language in the office. So like they all helped each other understand and improve. And the resulting atmosphere was just a lot more collegial and relaxed than, than my company was. So if I were to redo it, I would probably require that there's at least, you know, at least require that there's one common language. And I would also stop trying to bridge everyone's communications. So I would hope to build the kind of culture where everyone accepts and brings to the surface that, hey, we come from different realities and let's talk about it and communicate through it and accept that the first time is going to take a little longer, but communication gets easier and more effective. Yeah, I, I can't imagine your role and I'm just picturing you like, trying to translate or explain everything into two different languages all the time. <laughs> I'm just picturing that. That must have been really tiring for you. Yeah. Um, there, there's language. There's the intention. There's like, you know, it, it becomes, it becomes difficult. It becomes, um, it becomes inefficient as, as a team. Yeah. And I think even just besides even the culture, just, just the time zone difference, like, you know, here we're doing this exact, you know, webinar and it's, it's 9.30 a.m. Thursday for me, and it's uh, 6.30 p.m., I believe, with you. Uh, and, you know, it's uh, it's 9.30 p.m. in New York. So it's just the time zone. It's the opposite side of the world. So it just makes it so hard uh, to keep the communication, right? Just getting information. Of course, there's, like, these tools, like, so many tools now, like Slack is popular. Or, but still, it's like you wake up in the morning and you got a whole bunch of chats or, you know, a whole bunch of emails and a communication. It's just harder than, than, than keeping up on the same time zone. It's just yeah. even at that level, it's hard. So yeah, even, even on just the purely technological level, I hear you. It's, it's incredibly difficult. So probably I think what I would suggest 
is, yeah, maybe, of course, this, to have a team, have separate teams that are responsible for certain different kind of KPIs and deliverables, right? And maybe, of course, they can communi- communicate to each other, but not on such a high amount frequency that they would need to communicate. Like. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it makes sense for to try and, like, I guess, have everyone, at least geographically together, if they're working together with high frequency. Yeah, very cool. And team building. So I'm sure you, uh, you've had this experience. I, I can give some stories, but how, how do you kind of make everyone feel like they're part of the team, which I think is very important, right, for building a, building a company? Yeah, I think this just brings to mind, I think one cliche that's very real is that Westerners like to chill and bond over, you know, drinks in a bar, but Chinese people really don't. Most people anyway, I I guess it differs if you're in, you know, a more Westernized industry like management consulting or iBanking or maybe like entertainment. But just generally speaking, if like you have an engineering team, like it's a little bit just a little bit of general discomfort. It's just not how people connect, right? Going to a bar. So yeah. It's just, it's much more effective to take your team to one of those like board game cafes or maybe to like an escape the room event. You know, there's, there's a bunch of those in China. Or I think to summarize like something that's a little bit more brainy and like requires like solving a problem and like not focusing on staring each other in the face. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, especially. Especially with, I have some ideas too. I mean, those are great. Uh, but yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I remember my New York Wall Street days and uh, yeah, it was like bars, especially I spent some time in the UK and it's very bar drink related for bonding, right? Like maybe some food, bar food maybe, but it's mostly drinks and and talking to each other. But yeah, I think in China, especially if you're working in like a technical group, like the engineers are very introverted. Um, of course, you, maybe a dinner might be good too. Like everybody's in those big round tables, as, you know, and uh, uh, get. I think in, it doesn't sound very social, but going to the movies. Uh, and yeah, yeah. I think the cultural difference is like if I'm kind of like pulling out the common thread between like the the things that we're you know saying that we've experienced have been have been good activities to take Chinese employees to. It's that, like, you know, the focus is on an activity, right? The focus is not on, like, you know, the stress of making the conversation. Yep, yep. So um, maybe we get some stories, too. I think stories are really effective, so. (laughs) Yeah, I I definitely have stories about my stories. So, um, well, you kind of mentioned Rick a little bit already, or maybe you can follow up with you ended up obviously letting him go or maybe, or, or others like, do you have yeah, yeah. anywhere, but, uh, is there any differences you, you would say in, in the Chinese culture or? No, I mean, what, what comes to mind is like, kind of just, just do it really, really fast. Right. Like it. So I, I, I do have another experience outside of Rick. Let's call him like Mike. So Mike was less horrible than Rick, but not by a whole lot, right? So after I fired Rick, I interviewed lots of really awful candidates. And then, you know, I came across Mike. I didn't really like him, to be honest. I had no high expectations of liking him in the future either. He just like smelled of the kind of person to try and weasel his way out of doing as little, as much work as possible. But 
an old sales rep. He knew the game. And I convinced myself that I needed someone right now. And I convinced myself that since I was mostly paying him on commission, my biggest loss was only going to be his small base salary, which I could afford at the time. But I've never been just more wrong, right? Because as soon as he arrived, he just started leeching energy off the rest of the team on day one. And almost immediately, I could hear all these mutters from the rest of the team about, like, you know, why is Mike being paid to be useless? But I would have felt like such an idiot just firing Mike right after I had just fired Rick and just hired Mike, right? So I let him make these big promises. I let him fail to deliver. And I let him nod enthusiastically to these big improvement plans. And I let him just continue to fail to change. And finally, I, I, you know, I... I gripped my teeth and I fired him. But I think like going forward, I'm just going to remember that like letting someone stay on the team is not just, it's not just kind of like what the, the, the immediate impact on, on my balance sheet, but also like I have to take into account how, how much he drains from the rest of the team and like how, how much less productive the rest of the team becomes. So it's not China specific, but I think my experience has been just like, if you think you're going to fire them and you have like, you, your gut says you're going to fire them, just go ahead and fire them like right now. Yeah, I guess I can add to my story. Wait. Oh, please. Uh, one of my classics is uh, early on, in fact, this is, it doesn't matter really when, but 2009, well, he was a designer and I, the craziest story is I rehired him. I had fired him and rehired oh, him. It was just so hard hard to find a good designer and um why did you fire him in the first place uh so i fired him uh yeah because his his kind of like attitude uh and morale mm-hmm. like you said yeah. um uh but you know uh, it was kind of like this uh emotion he would be very um, you know sometimes it'd be really good with everybody it was kind of like well actually uh it doesn't really matter but i think it's because he was uh he was uh, a gay chinese um so I think he had a lot of issues with being maybe maybe gay. I mean, I I have nothing against gay people, and he he, uh, by, he didn't end up coming out of it with to us. Um, so you know, I thought maybe that it would be better later after he had kind of gotten over his very crazy story. But uh, so he always wanted to come back and. Uh, He's an entrepreneur, really. You know, I like entrepreneurs, so he did always have a goal to start his own his own business. So, uh, basically, over another year of working there, he wanted to start his own e commerce business inside of our e commerce business, and uh, it's still a goal of mine to kind of support entrepreneurs with some kind of platform like it. So, short story was he wanted to stay on payroll uh, to help us, like on a on a on a and cut me in as an owner of his venture. And he would kind of still get our work done on a part-time basis. And we'd also be an owner in his e-commerce business. Um, so the story was, uh, he didn't really ever get his own project going. And he was kind of like you said with your story was kind of de- confusing to other staff because they're like, who's this guy in the office? That's just like here, but not working with us. And so after the month of him doing that, own project um we let him i told told him sorry i really support your your i support entrepreneurship i support your your dream but you can't do it here with us um mm-hmm. and then he wanted to get paid on top of that basically he said that like okay well then now i'll 
you can let you can like like let me go and then pay me uh, another month on top of that month and i'm like i just pay you a month to do your own business you know that was your month <laughs> you know what i mean like uh yeah, yeah i hear you sounds like you were you know slightly taken advantage of and yeah so he went to the late actually uh i was even gonna pay him the extra month because we don't want to talk about that today but usually people get like a month severance if they leave um so actually i was willing to do it but i had this tough you know tough assistant uh jojo on the team and she's like don't pay this guy yeah it's not so she had a actually had the contracts and then the labor department called because he actually did go to the labor department um Mm -hmm. and then they called us and then this is where i got lucky i mean jojo was just explaining him on the story like the story and we actually had a contract signed so it didn't we didn't even have to pay the extra month. Uh, and it, I don't know, it didn't escalate. They didn't take it so far. Uh, they said we had something signed that he had left. Uh, we did, we had, that's what I think is most important. It could have been a lot worse, but uh, we had, a, we had a contract him starting. We had a contract with him leaving. So there was less questions. So I think documenting is, is a good thing for anywhere in the world, but especially my experience in China is, is documenting it and having them sign off when they start and when they leave. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, kind of ties back to some of our earlier conversations as well. Yeah, I already hear that. That that sounds like no fun. Yeah, the funny thing is he's still in around, and it's you know I have been in Shenzhen. I've seen him even like a couple of years ago. Uh, mm. They just kind of say hi to each other now. It's uh, just not. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, there's more to that story, actually. Little, you know, but uh, that's the, let's just keep it at that today. Um, so Chinese New Year bonus. Um, I have a popular blog post that a lot of people find on the site, and they always uh, like it, and they, they send it to their boss. Because a lot of times I think they're mm-hmm. like in the U.S. or overseas doesn't know how much to pay. Is there any rule of thumb that you could give for, like, Determining the bonus. Uh, yeah, interesting. interesting, interesting. Okay, so I guess like I'll think about the uh, like rule of thumb for the amount, but I think like first of all, I think the rule of thumb is like give it, like consider it a part of your cost and factor it into the financial model, right? It's I think it's yeah. a basic thing. Like if you don't give a Chinese New Year bonus, I think it will be remembered and there will be resentment. Mm-hmm. Like Peg is not even a Chinese company. We're based in Silicon Valley and. Chai gave out red envelopes to all employees to give a lot of respect to Chinese tradition. So, um, so yeah, I think it, it, it differs though. If you're giving it to, it depends on if you have local employees. Um, if not, I think it's still nice like to give, even if like your team is completely foreign, it, it's still nice to give like, like Chai gave us like $2 each, <laughs> which is, which is obviously, you know, not a significant enough amount for you to be excited over the money, but uh, it's it's a nice gesture. Um, for I think my rule of thumb, maybe for local employees, would be to give whatever like your equivalent of an annual bonus would be. Mm-hmm. But I would love to hear what your blog post says. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I've gotten a lot of dinners for that. Uh, or at least so many thankful emails from employees here because <laughs> uh, they've used my blog to send to their boss, but. It's a long one. I mean, I try to, of course, give different different perspectives. I said, of course, it depends on... First of all, I think it depends on the financial performance of the company. Uh, so I always say just be... Of course, some companies have different policies about transparency, but 
usually the staff can tell if the company's doing well or not, or at least they think they know. So you probably can't hide it so much. Um, so I said, you know, if, if the company's losing money and, you know, you're, you're, you're still got to try to give something. I say usually try to budget a month salary if you can. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're like losing money or struggling, you know, I think you can make them understand. But I just say sit down with them one-on-one, present it to them, whether, you know, explain to them uh, why maybe, uh, but I said try to aim for a, a month. Uh, yeah. And then maybe if you do really well and you really want to keep them happy, go higher. Um, and because uh, so one one of recently, just like a month ago, because Chinese New Year's a couple months ago, he, he reached out, he wanted to take me out. He was, he was actually a foreigner here and he was afraid that his UK boss didn't understand and was a threat, you know, really risk losing all the staff. Um, mm. so my blog post and it got him a month for everybody. Uh, and uh, because the guy was, I don't know, he was, I think he was thinking around, you know, the, the small thin envelope, like just the token amount. Uh, but he, this manager in China was American and he was trying to convince the UK owner or boss, the main, you know, money financial guy decision maker to, to not to do more than that um because he says he could tell that some of the staff would leave if if it wasn't a little bit you know higher so um i would mm-hmm. say in the philippines too is like a 13 month kind of thing it's almost mandatory in the yeah. but in china it's more optional but i would say it's highly recommended 13 months yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense i think that's a really good rule of thumb yeah I can also um, see why you got a lot of grateful emails. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, I, uh, it feels good, you know, help, help, helping people. And <laughs> he wanted to take me out for like more. I had, you know, he, he treated me to dinner and then, you know, it's luckily it's not so far as in Coco Park and Futian, but he's like, oh, you know, let's go out and massage and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, man, I, I, I you can just give me cash. <laughs> like, give me a percentage of <laughs> You know, that's easier. I have, you know, I have to go. <laughs> but uh, anyways, <laughs> um, let's just yeah, getting towards the end. Uh, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a great great one so far. Uh, yeah, I had a really 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 fun time. Yeah, this is fun. Um, we kind of I think we already put these in this in here. Unless you have something that you want to add. No, I think you're right. I think we we talked about a lot of more stories. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, let's just have a couple people on today and seeing if they have questions. And it's always hard to get questions from people. Uh, any questions? Um, I mean, for me, uh, but if you maybe I could ask you a question is uh, if you had a maybe, I guess I've learned already from, from your story and I've learned today. Uh, if you were to um, start, start maybe a China business maybe doesn't have to be a startup but maybe maybe you're in charge of growing it what would i guess maybe what would you do for your your hr strategy uh, yeah yeah i guess that's a really good question i think to summarize like just i would want to have like a chief people officer i think like i mean you have like a chief financial officer you have a chief operating officer but like at the core of almost everything you do, particularly in a place that, you know, you may not be familiar with and where there are local customs that you may not know. I think it's so important to have someone who's just like their whole job is just around HR. Like I think 
there's a problem with um, like that not being, you know, a glorified, uh, you know, industry to be in. And like in, in at, at Stanford Business School, we didn't even really, you know, talk that much about HR, but like, that's, that's just so important that I think that needs to change. And for myself, if I ever like start a company or run a business in China again, I, that's, that's the first thing I'm going to do. Like either I'm going to be the chief people officer, I'm going to appoint someone to be the chief people officer. Cool. CPO. I like it. (laughs) Awesome. All right. And then again, our big focus uh, for the next couple of weeks coming up quick is cross-border summit. So um, if you guys enjoyed today, uh, a lot of a lot of you already purchased the tickets uh, that are on on the live show. But um, if you're watching this later, I'd love to see you. And it's uh, April 21st and 22nd in Shenzhen, China, right across from the Hong Kong border. It's uh, it's going to be full two full days. Speakers both into China as well as exporting from China. Topics like Monica's today has been great and and really valuable experience, as well as not just speakers, but also breakout sessions and networking opportunities to meet meet great, great business executives doing cross-border e-commerce and trade. So, um, and maybe in 2018, we'll have Monica there, uh, or maybe we'll actually, we're talking about doing some in the state side and other parts of the world. That would be so exciting. Yeah, it would be great. And uh, so... Thank you again for your your time, Monica. Is there anywhere we could send people, or I can link it in the in the notes of the of the interview if you want to get some people to check out some websites that you have, or yeah, yeah. Let me ping you separately. Okay, Thanks sure. We'll add it up on I'm, notes. Really, I'm really glad that I got a chance to do this, and it was it was tons of fun for me. Awesome. Yeah, we'll talk offline in a second. So thank you everybody for tuning in and. Uh, Enjoy your day and good luck with everybody's hiring and managing in China experiences. Well, thanks, Mike. Thank you so much, Monica. I hope you guys enjoyed. It might have been a little bit longer, but we try to give some drops value. You know, every week we have these interviews and we also have the e-commerce gladiator on Fridays. Thank you, Neil O'Connor. Dr. Neil O'Connor has also been a guest on the show for enjoying these. I, I know he says one of our best ones was that two-for-one bonus at the end of the year. I was a little bit nervous about that one, to be honest. So thanks, thanks Neil, for listening and enjoying. So thank you, everybody. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm pretty honest. I'm a shy. I, I don't like pushing, and but I've been getting a little bit less shy. We have amazing events, amazing value. Of course, this is totally free podcast, but there's ways you can support the show financially and support what we're doing here at globalformasia.com. There's globalformasia.com slash events. If you're listening to this in, in the future, years later, I hope very long term we'll be having events. We're working on them in Philippines, in Colombia, America, China, and around the world. We also have amazing people partnering with us. If that's interesting to you and there's opportunities, we would love to have our community managers talking to you. People are More and more people are working for us. And we have, of course, our cross-border summit, our big push, crossbordersummit.com slash 2018 for 2018 or just crossbordersummit.com. And if you want the China Business Workshop, which we're having in Florida, we also have the online version too. You can get that option at chinabusinessworkshop.com slash Florida. In February, 
But we are working on more and more premium paid online content to support the show even more valuable, even more actionable as well. And no matter what, you're always going to enjoy this free stuff. I know there's some students listening. There's some kids listening. There's some you know, entrepreneurs, bootstrapped hustlers. I, I know the, I've, I've been there. I understand. So don't worry. You'll always get this free content. But if you want even more, more access and more knowledge, we have it. We have the goods and we're delivering it for you. Thanks again for listening. Any way you can support, even just telling a friend about this helps out, helps us out, get more listeners, more exposure. And I wish you great. I hope you're doing well in 2018 already. Take care. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.